Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, a horror anthology podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that always puts his tie in paper shredders. It's Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, Cortland. I'm shredded. You know, Brandon, I was just thinking about it. Have you ever worn a tie? I've worn a tie once. Was it? Yeah, I was going to say. Maybe once for Brandon. Yeah. And I got it stuck in a paper shredder. Like, Damn, Brandon. Damn it. Brandon, come on. You're always in rooms with paper shredders, and you're like, I wonder what would happen if I put my tie in this. You're crazy. You're crazy, Brandon. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any hair anymore, and that's because, you know, I spend Cabbage a lot of time patch doll. paper shredders. I know. <laughs> Cabbage Patch Doll took it away from you. Um, nom, nom. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't go a day without thinking about that. Yeah, that's going to come up in every podcast from now on. <laughs> So Brandon, what you been doing? How you have you been having a great week? It's been a great week. Uh, I've been having a fab week, Cortland. That's awesome. I, I I'm I'm actually experiencing some horror anthologies even on my downtime when I'm not recording a podcast. What you been watching, bitch? I ain't watching nothing. I'm reading. Oh. <gasps> what? You know how to read? <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to read, Cortland. This is almost as exciting as when you learned how to whistle. I know. It took long enough, but I figured <laughs> out the ABCs. Uh, I've been reading uh, a little little comic by the name of Creepy. I forgot. Yeah, you messaged me and you were like, hey, there's a Humble Bundle for all these comics. And they look dope. And most of them look like zombies. And I was like, get them, Brandon. Get them. And then you got yeah, them. So, so this is a, a comic very much in the vein of Tales from the Crypt. I'd say pretty much like a, a complete knockoff yeah, of Tales cool. from the Crypt. That's, uh, yeah, it's a, a comic with like short horror stories and I've been reading through them and uh, they're pretty good. And I think some of them would make good episodes of a TV show. That's awesome. You know, I never was the one that got much into comics. I know when we were kids, we drew comics all the time because yeah. there was nothing else to do and we had to entertain ourselves somehow. But um those were the only comics that I really enjoyed. I never got into comics. I always wanted to get into X-Men because X-Men is dope, but I just couldn't do it. Now it's like, where the hell do I start? What's yeah. the point? I don't have time. Lots of excuses, Brandon. I'm just a bundle <laughs> of excuses. <laughs> all excuses. Oops, all excuses. That's me. That's cool, Brandon. I'm glad you're enjoying some comics and uh, spooky in nature, even though it's going to be Thanksgiving this week. Um, I know Australia doesn't have the same Thanksgiving because, like, that'd be crazy if they did. But are you going to be eating some good food later this week? Are you going to import your American Thanksgiving onto your Australian family? Yeah. Done it every year since I've been here. Good. You were just like, guys, I know this means nothing, but we're eating good food. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, random guys, Thursday. <laughs> I know you guys have never heard of this, but we're going to give thanks. And they were like, what? <laughs> What's thanks? <laughs> oh, Brandon, you're like the opposite of the Grinch, where you're just giving everybody everything wonderful in life. Spreading that Brandon cheer over to Australia. Look at you. Yeah, I'm amazing. Okay, I can't say it enough, dude. We should start a podcast. <laughs> nah, that's dumb. <laughs> Who would listen? So what are you making? Are you going to make a whole spread? Are you making a turkey? And you're making Yeah, we got, we got the turkey. Potatoes. We got the mashed potatoes. Uh, we got the green bean casserole. Damn. We've got the candied yams. You know, all the hits. All the, all hits. the hits. And the fam is probably like, I can't wait for that dinner. I can't wait for that dinner. And it's, it's coming soon. Yeah, you're invited, man. Come on over. 
Oh, okay. I might hop, skip, and jump on over and see what's up with your mac and cheese, and then yeah. I'll judge hop it. Hop over accordingly. here, have some pumpkin pie, and then go <laughs> I back. Don't like, I don't like pumpkin pie, Brandon. I don't think I want to come over. <laughs> All right. Uh, how do I end this podcast? <laughs> oh, Brandon. I've I've been just working a lot lately. My work has been a little bit uh, demanding, and that's okay. You know, I, I guess I'll put in the hours, get yeah, the paycheck. Yeah, it happens, but then, yeah. you know, you get to spend a little bit of time talking to me about uh, yeah. uh, pumpkin yeah. pie and other things. It's funny. I've said this before. It's interesting, like, uh, when I think back to the way we started the podcast, and I used to be working at the factory, and and then I, uh, you know, got, a, like, an office job, and now I do recruiting, like... Man, all I do now is talk because I talk all day at work and then I talk on Saturdays. I'm surprised my voice is still around. That's crazy. Yeah. The evolution. We need it. We need that golden voice. Don't ever lose it. Well, you know, this golden voice has had about three hours of sleep, so it's going to be a good one. (laughs) Brandon, are you ready to talk about some Tales from the Crypt? Yeah, let's talk about this one. Well, Brandon, we just got done watching. And by that, I mean, I watched it a couple days ago. Season four, episode two. Uh, shit, what's this one called? This'll kill ya. Oh, yeah. So this'll kill ya, Brandon. Not easel kill ya. This'll kill ya. Yeah, the way more boring version. Right. What did you think of this'll kill ya? Did it kill ya? It almost killed me with boredom. Oh, damn, Brandon. That's a hot take. (laughs) I'm not a fan of this episode. I'm kind of glad you said that, because I was watching it... I typically I watch the episode first and then I do my notes on the second rewatch. It makes it a little easier so I can get all the characters' names down. This one doesn't have very many characters, so I probably didn't need to no. do that. Um, but yeah, I was like, this episode's not great. Yeah, it's pretty boring. Takes a while to like get to where it's going, and then once it does, it's still not that interesting. Right. Uh, this one is very much one of those ones where it's like embedded in fake science shit, but the fake science shit. I don't care about it. Like, they talk about, like, this H-cell nonsense, and I have questions about that, which I'll ask on a podcast. Maybe you'll know what I'm talking about. Maybe you can answer my questions. Probably not. Oh, I'm sure (laughs) I'll have all the answers for this fictional. (laughs) Um, The the characters in it are pretty one-note. There's a lot of, like, rough things to watch in this one that I'm like, ugh, you know? That's about it. There's some weird editing choices too. Um, like I'll we had a weird editing choice last episode, and this one had that's one too. Maybe the one thing that I I give this episode credit for is there's some visually interesting segments and editing that I quite liked, and we'll talk about those when they come up. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's quit beating around the bush, Brandon. We just got to get into this episode. My notes for this one are not particularly long because there's some conversations that happen in this one where they're like. Yeah, blah, 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 the baby. And I'm just like, yeah, it's all right. just like, OK, these are like the Ian Malcolm chapters of Jurassic Park. We can oh, God. Yep. I read that book when I was like 13 years old. And then the Ian Malcolm, uh, what's it called? Butterfly effect chapters happened. And I was like, OK, I'm just going to skip this. And I did. And I missed nothing of the book. And it was still fabulous. So, yeah. Pro tip. If you're reading Jurassic Park, skip the Malcolm chapters. <laughs> But anyway, Brandon, let's get into this here. All right. Our episode starts up with some action, Brandon. The Crypt Keeper is hammering something, and then he hits his thumb, which starts throbbing. Boy, this is exciting already. Yeah. I can't imagine that hurts when you're dead to hit your thumb. Right. And I questioned because it audibly pulses, you know, like it's a heartbeat kind of thing. Like, oh, God, he just hurt himself. 
Doesn't he already say that he doesn't have a heartbeat, though? Yes. Canonically, that's, that's been established. He hits his thumb and he looks at it saying, damn, I love when that happens. I was like, Crypty, then do it all the time. What's wrong with you? <laughs> he looks right at the camera and he says, you didn't know your old friend the Crypt Keeper was the boo-it-yourself type, did you? <laughs> I said, no, I didn't, Crypt Keeper. Oh, Why did you keep that secret from us? <laughs> you son of a bitch. We only find out in season four that you're a boo-it-yourself type? Brandon, you remember that one SNL skit with Chris Farley where they're like, sir, did you know you were drinking Colombian crystals? <laughs> <laughs> I had that reaction, okay? My computer survived somehow. I don't know how. I flipped everything. Uh, I love that sketch. I do, too. I just watched it the other day. He goes on to tell us that he's super handy with his little ghoul box and tells us a whole bunch of puns of things he's built. There's his bookshelf for his library, his stand for his new big scream TV, and also he's working on a nasty nugget about an unpleasant man. He just gets right into the story. In the medicine biz, who's about to get a dose of his own... I guess that's it. It's a dose of his own, not own medicine. <laughs> he scooches yeah. that book over, calling tonight's tale, This'll Kill Ya. The Crypt Keeper's puns per minute in this opening segment are just out of control. I know I know he likes puns, but I was like, slow down, Crypt Keeper. You've got 30 seconds for these intros, and you've told 40 puns. Yeah, I almost got whiplash, Brandon. I didn't think I'd survive, but I did, and I wrote the notes down. The picture for this one is pretty boring. In the foreground is a woman in a sexy black dress. Fitting. But also, she's got a lab coat on because she means she's got that science side to her, you know? She's got business. Yeah, she's smart and sexy. Yeah. Behind her is a dude at a table that looks a little bit like Walter White. <laughs> in the picture, a anyway. like Walter White, yes. Yeah, he's cooking, you know? It's not Walter White, though. Behind him is a guy with a baseball bat in his hands about to smack poor Walter White there. That's crazy. We fade into the episode and we see a car roll up to a metal fence. It stops and we see its cargo is that of a dead man who looks like he got hit in okay. the head with a baseball bat. Yeah, we're like three seconds in and I was like, this is a spicy way for an episode to start. This mm-hmm. episode is going to be action packed. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is, the, <laughs> this is the peak of the episode right here. It's all downhill from here, folks. The dead body gets hauled out of the van and someone lifts up his legs and starts dragging him across the parking lot in a really nice aerial shot where we get to see this dude leaving a huge blood smear. It's great. I like it. Then we get to see this man drag the body up a small flight of stairs. And man, that sucks if that's an actual actor that is just like getting dragged up the stairs. It doesn't look like a uh, like a dummy or anything. It looks like a dude. No, that was a man. And he like probably had a pad under his back or something. But that's still like. Yeah, just like every time he gets rolled up like the next step, like his head smacks the concrete. And I'm just like, oh, hopefully that's carpeted at least or something. I don't know. The man with the body, he hoes himself into a police station where a police officer is trying to eat a sandwich. But he gets interrupted by this shit. The cop just looks at the body saying, holy shit. The live man, whose name is George, is all out of breath, but he says, I'm dead. And this is the guy that killed me. Um, opposite day? In response, a police officer pulls out his gun and tells George to raise his hands and keep him there where he can see him. George here tells the police officer to go ahead and shoot him, since it doesn't matter anyway. You see, George is dead already, and I was like, ooh, we got zombies this episode? Guess what? We don't get awesome. zombies. No zombies, Brandon. Damn it. Why do so many episodes tease zombies and then don't give it to us? Well, yeah, but every other episode gives us the zombies. I know, <laughs> so but we could have every episode. <laughs> it evens out. My favorite part here is that he has a quick temper tantrum. Like, George is just like, bah, bah, bah. 
You know, he like bangs around a little bit. It's like, dude, he's pointing a gun at you. You probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. And then he says he should have seen it coming. That was interesting. I don't know why he says that. But we pop back into the past, Brandon, because, of course, we're going to see what led up to this moment of George dragging Walter White or not so Walter White into the police station. Right. We got to. There's a reason for the season. Mm hmm. And I figured it had to be something interesting. Ah, well, you'd think. <laughs> so we pop back into the past where we see what led up to this wild incident. A little closet door or something opens up and we get we get to see just a bunch of bottles. And most of them are labeled H-Cell 24. But one says insulin. But they all look pretty much the same. A woman, whose name is Sophie, fishes around those bottles. And we look over at George, who's looking at Sophie fish those bottles out. He's got a phone to his face and he says, oh, God. I must have been crazy to let you go away. He says this because Sophie is sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Sophie sasses him, saying, You didn't let me get away, George. I kicked you out. Oh, the acting here. We watch as she gives up trying to find George's insulin. George tells her it's in the back, so she fishes around some more, and then she finds it. She looks at that, yelling, Why did you put your insulin in here? George tells her it's the only place he could find for it, which seems stupid. Yes, it is a massive fridge, and he's like, I have to put it with these bottles of exactly similar-looking poison. (laughs) So, Brandon, we've met uh, two-thirds of our characters already. What do you think about them? I mean, we've met all of our characters. They just haven't all been alive. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. We have. I mean, so far, this George fella seems like a bit of a creep. Yep. In this Sophie chick seems a bit of a sexy i don't know (laughs) they're they're scientists you can tell because there's a model skeleton in the room as they're talking classic yeah i don't know uh george seems very dumb because he Mm -hmm. he needs insulin but he keeps it in the worst place possible and they've got some kind of uh office office fling going on yeah Sophie grabs a needle from a jar, saying that one of these days they're going to mix it up with the H-cell 24 and accidentally inject your insulin into another lab rat. That's called foreshadowing. I'm like, right, that's that's what's going to happen with it, right? They're going <laughs> to put it in a lab rat. Spoilers. George tells her the worst thing that'll happen is that they'll give a rat a hard-on for Hershey Kisses. And I said to myself, I said, that's not how insulin works. No. Already I feel like this guy maybe doesn't belong in this science lab. No, I do constantly wonder throughout this episode why he's even a part of this, because he seems like a dumbass. Yeah, what is his role? Is he just like the money man? Like he just finds the money? I guess so. I I don't know, because he doesn't seem to do anything to help whatever they are doing. Now, granted, I will say what they're doing is complete bullshit anyway. So, yes, he tells the dude on the phone that he's got to call him right back. And Sophie goes to walk away. But George calls her back over, slams the phone down and asks if she'll do the honor of injecting him with insulin. Sophie complains that she has a bunch of work to do and he should just do this injecting business himself. But George hates needles and loves the thought of a beautiful woman giving him intense physical pain. Which is not what happens when you get an injection, but... Sophie sasses him again, saying, Man, if only that were the case, because this is just a small needle and it can't possibly cause you intense physical pain at all. Look Mm. at me with my nose, I'm crazy. She preps that shit and stabs him with the needle, and there's some weird noises that actually wouldn't happen when you're injecting somebody with anything. He kind of thanks her a little, and she says it's her pleasure. Suddenly, Brandon, the door bursts open and a dude walks in calling George a son of a bitch. He comes in hot, yeah. Look, this is my favorite character of the three. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's not a high bar, but this is the best character. 
He wants George to explain himself and why he keeps doing this kind of shit. Sophie asks, what you talk about? And the man, whose name is Pack, his name is Pack of all things, explains that George put out a press release without telling his co-workers. This time, he went to town and said that George and his team developed a hybrid cell that will revolutionize the treatment of diseases by breeding the disease out of it. Whew, scientific mumbo-jumbo, am I right, Brandon? Yeah, I already can't follow it. It also says that the results, the H-Cell 24, will be effective, inexpensive, and safe. George asks why this is a problem, and Sophie goes on to say George said it was already ready for human testing. George is all, but we, you know, we'll be for sure, right? And his two co-workers go on to explain that this new drug or whatever it is is not safe because they can't make it stop. Stuff still grows, and it will probably kill people. Essentially, it just creates a bunch of tumors in lamest yeah, terms. Yeah, it seems like a roadblock. Packier says the results would be horrifying and they as scientists would be responsible for murders. So, I have a question, Brandon. Like, I know I kind of like paraphrased, if you will, about what they were saying about this H-cell business. Mm-hmm. But what's the point of this drug? They inject something into a person and it just creates things. Like, it's basically cancer, if they're telling me the right way, right? Like, it just keeps growing. That's what cancer does. So what is the benefit of having this H-cell 24? Corlin, I think maybe the idea is that the it just keeps growing tumors so that there's no more room in your body for disease because it's all taken up with tumors. Oh, you know, when you but put it that way. the problem is now is that it just never stops when it should stop when you, you know, you're at 99% capacity. It should stop, but then it just keeps going and you become like uh, a living tumor. Tetsuo at the end of Akira. <laughs> you know, I they don't really say the implications of how this could be a beneficial drug. If they even just said something like, oh, it'll make you regrow your organs for those that only have one kidney or, you know, anything. You could have just said this is going to cure cancer. And I would have been like, OK, now I see why it's important. Yeah, but they don't they don't do any of that. Silly. You're, you're supposed to, like, keep it simple. Yeah. Just be like, this is a wonder drug that fixes a problem and you'd be like oh that's good but they're like oh this it'll kill you <gasps> yeah brandon oh my Some god kind of nonsense science yeah i just i was not very invested because i don't know what it does i don't know what it could benefit and they don't explain what it could do and what it could benefit and i'm just like what's the point and that's where my interest left it'll revolutionize revolutionary things oh and you put it that way <laughs> George gets up saying if they want to continue receiving funding, they'll have to have results. No results, no funding. So you'll just have to get those results. Pat complains that George has lost sight of why they're doing this shit in the first place since this isn't some race to the bank and isn't about money. Pat screams that George is being a selfish, egotistical asshole. The gang all yell some more and Sophie tries to get in between them and George explains that all this shit is in place for him and Pat because they, and they should just be thankful that they have a job. I don't know what they say. It doesn't fucking matter. Pack tells him he's out of his friggin' mind and walks away. The camera follows him, which smooth cuts us over to a bar, where the bartender is talking to Sophie, who's complaining about her day. Out of nowhere, George scooches up and smooches that Sophie on the cheek, but she isn't having any of it. She just came here for a little piece. George tells her, yeah, that makes two of us, then looks over at a random woman and gives that random woman a smooch too. Where have his lips been, you know? ridiculous yeah then george tells the bartender marty that he'll have the huge and also gives sophie another one of whatever she's having george asks sophie if she's still angry with him and it turns out she is 
She complains more about how George is fucking around with that patent of the H-cell thing, and it could have been compromising our entire project. George tells her, but it didn't. And Sophie's all, oh yeah, right. Well, some of us care about our integrity, okay? George asks how long this shit's going to take. Like, a month? Two months? Jeez, maybe if you share your research with the rest of the class, we could be done with this by now. Sophie argues that this is exactly why her and Pac don't share their results. Because George can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. George giggles about that and tells Sophie that she could take her integrity and shove it up her ass because she would love to see her name in her papers. As for Pack, he's the same way. Sophie doesn't even know him like George knows him, though, Brandon. Sophie is sarcastically amazed by George's narcissism, calling him a mercenary for some reason. George corrects her, saying that he isn't a mercenary. he's all about money. He's honest. I guess, but, like, we don't see any of that. <laughs> Then he eats an olive off of a little toothpick, and it gets super close to Sophie's lips, and he brushes those lips with said toothpick, saying that they should go back to her place for tonight. Sophie doesn't think so, though. Right now, the idea of being intimate with you makes me sick. That's maybe a good sign to back off, right? Yes. Yes, it is. She finishes her drink, she gets up to leave, and George takes that moment to make a, a jab at women in general to the bartender. I don't It was 1990-whatever. This is three. I don't know. Well, he's also just an asshole. In any time or place, he would be an asshole. Yeah, he's he's kind of the worst. I mean, he's not the worst. We've seen worse characters. But also, like, the next stuff he does is really unsavory. I don't like it. Yeah, he's among the worst. Sometime later, we see somebody putting a key into a door and opening that shit up. We hear some water in the distance, so we pop over to that water to see that Sophie is getting ready for a bath. Her bathroom door opens up and it's George. And he says, hi, honey, I'm home. She whips around whispering, you son of a bitch. I love saying that. Then George grabs her and essentially sexually assaults her in her own home, which is outrageous. Yeah, he breaks into her apartment. I mean, he has a key, but he's not invited. Right. And uh, he's just like, let's bang. And she's like, nah. But he's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In lamest terms, that's exactly what happens, Brandon. That's exactly what happens. He smooches her and talks about sexy times with her, even though she is not into this at all. And uh, she's really, yeah, it's upsetting. She hurls him into the bathtub and then just kind of gives in because, I don't know, what else can she really do, I guess? Like, I don't know. It's rough. There's a very quick and a very boring sex scene and George is all, all right, I'm going to head out. Sophie complains about how George is a bad habit. And every time she lets him in the bed, she remembers why she kicked him out of him in the first place. George plays the victim here, being all, aw, baby, don't be like that. Sophie asks if Pac knows about their sex capades, and that if Pac finds out, it may be even detrimental to their partnership. Then she tells him to leave. So he does. But before he goes, she asks George to stop fighting with Pac. He's all sure whatevs, and she yells, Don't patronize me, you asshole. And that was that scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's about all I want to say about it, too, Brandon. It was, uh... It was not fun to watch, and it probably is one of the main reasons why I don't like this episode. Hmm. Yeah. He walks down her hallway, which fades us back to the office room they all work in, and Pack is trying to work when George walks up to apologize and give Pack a cup of coffee. Pack's sick of George's shit, asking what he really wants, because he's known George for so long that he knows that George only apologizes when it benefits him. Mm-hmm. George tells him, nah, you guys were right, and I should have just consulted with you and Sophie before blabbing to the newspapers. Pack's all, oh, so you're not going to do that again, right? Instead of answering, George is all, I don't tell you how to do your job, okay? Pack tells him, uh, yeah, you do. 
George smiles, saying that he won't be doing that again then. And then Peck takes that coffee mug, peace offering. Okay, so I was 100% sure that there was something in that coffee mug. The way he handed it to him, like, here, have this coffee. Take it. It's delicious. And then, like, smiled when he took the coffee. I was like, okay, so he's injecting Peck with the H cells. Got it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't think that because I was like, no, somebody's got to die. You know, <laughs> there's a baseball bat involved at some point, right? I was yeah, like, Pat can't die yet. George takes a seat at his desk and Pat goes over to the fridge saying that he's not totally oblivious to the real world like you might think. George asks Pat, hey, since you're in the fridge anyway, could you just go ahead and get my insulin for me? Pat complains a little, but does it anyway. And Sophie walks up grabbing the needle saying that she'd be happy to stick it to him. She preps his arm and jabs him with the insulin where Pat yells out, don't do that. In a really weird, modulated voice a few times, it made me laugh out loud. It was great. Yeah, that was funny. It's good stuff. It's not. It's really like, why did you do this? What is the editing options here? Why? why? What, is Tom Hanks directing this one? Exactly. Yeah, I was like, hey, Tommy, you're back in better than ever. (laughs) Pax says he grabbed the wrong vial since it was on the same shelf as the insulin. Who could have predicted this? I don't know. It's crazy. Sophie tells George that he was just injected with 50 cc's. So there's like a billion H cells in him already. George gets all woozy asking, wait, I'm not going to die, am I? Aw, shit, you got to inject me with something that'll turn it off. Sophie yells that they don't have anything to turn it off. They're at least six months away. Pack adds in that that's why they were so pissed off with him yesterday. Once they start the H cell process, they can't stop it. George here rages on his desk like a child. Which, on one hand, is understandable, but on the other hand, looks incredibly silly. Like, there's drool dribbling down his lips, Brandon. (laughs) He's gonna die. He's got, like, a few hours left. Like, you don't have time to care what people think anymore. I suppose. That drool, though. goo-goo-ga-ga tantrums, whatever. (laughs) He certainly does. It's, it's, yeah, I seen that drool, and I was like, damn, he went for it. Like, I I would be impressed if this wasn't so stupid. (laughs) Yeah, he's not a bad actor. He collapses to the ground, and Sophie is there, like, adjusting him. He asks Sophie what's going to happen to him, and she says, oh, Pack will come up with something, probably. But honestly, as the H-cell spreads through your body, it'll begin growing tumors all over the place. Pack rolls up, saying, oh, sorry, man. I've been trying to get the antidote to work, but it's just way too toxic. If I inject you with it right now, it'll kill you. George grabs him by the collar and pulls him closer, asking, how much longer do I have left? Pack tells him, oh, like a couple hours or something. <laughs> Good. <laughs> George gets all sad. And then we get this weird cut of the inside of his bloodstream where like red blood cells are flowing. And then that yeah. cuts us to a bunch of weird images of red and blue and naked Sophie. And then Sophie yells, George. And we snap. And George is a sweaty mess. Also, yeah, that's, Pack is that's all sweaty cool too. a little sequence. As he's got these H cells in him, like he's starting to slowly go insane or whatever and it just like has a bunch of quick cuts of things and i thought that the blood cell shot was like pretty ambitious for this show i agree i think it's fun i just didn't i just really didn't get the choices i mean i guess it's kind of like him hallucinating and having the effects of the h cells in him and stuff but i don't know it's his body going haywire it's probably the most interesting thing that happens in this episode because we get a couple of them and yeah for sure George tells the gang that he's got to get out of here, and then he scooches away. 
Now we're outside, and George is walking by some kids, wondering about Judy's notes. Oh my, that sounds interesting. No, it doesn't. It might be more interesting in the episode. George <laughs> takes a seat at a park bench and has himself a little cigarette, and also an acid trip of images. <laughs> I don't remember what it cuts over to, but I'm pretty sure it's things we've saw in the episode, and Sophie, and yada yada yada. Now he's over at the bar from earlier. He's using the phone, but gosh darn it, it's busy. Some more images flash, and we see George at the bar trying to enjoy a drink with what little time he has left. He looks over at another bar patron, and this dude has tumors all over his face. The guy lifts up his drink with an evil little laugh, but, oh damn, it's just a hallucination. The guy's totally fine and doesn't have tumors all over his face. Oh, well, good for him. I know, right? Imagine finding out you have a few hours left to live, and you're just like, well... Guess I'm going to the bar. Can't imagine that, Brandon, because I don't want to go to the well, bar. Have a anyway. little bit of imagination. No, I'm not going to do it. If I had a few hours left to live, the last place I would go would be a bar because I don't like bars because they're loud and there's a lot of people there. I don't like it. Yeah. Also, the drinks are expensive, and I could just be I could just drink at home. Well, it's that's cheaper. not a problem if you have a few hours left to live. You could just be like Preston Waters and be like money. Well, you know what, though, Brandon? I do have a family, okay? I can't just spend all my money. <laughs> Not all of it. Yeah. Most of it. I wouldn't be like, hey, rounds on me for everybody forever. Like, Oh, no. Screw them. Know. They don't have a few hours left to live. Well, I mean, they could. They wouldn't know. But <laughs> The bartender notices that George ain't doing so hot and asks how he is. George says that he's been better. And the bartender laughs at him <laughs> and asks if he wants another <laughs> drink. <laughs> I'm dying. My body is full of tumors. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Here's another drink. <laughs> Keep going. George tells him, nah, I just came to use your phone, but I can't get through to Sophie. It's always busy. The bartender tells him that, hmm, that's weird, because she was just in here with Pack like a little while ago. George is all, what? Where? So he points over that way. You know, the bartender does. And George takes a look in that direction, and we see Sophie there. And she's got tumors all over her chest. Oh, shit. Those are called breasts, Corbin. Well, there's tumors all over her breasts, her bosoms, if you will. Oh, okay. Then George looks up at the bartender, and he has gross tumors on his face, and they're all seeping this bright green liquid. It's kind of weird. It's gross. He snaps out of that and tells the bartender he's fine, and then touches his face and giggles, as in touches the bartender's face, okay? Weird. He asks, wait, you sure Sophie and Pac were here? The bartender tells George, yeah, they were over there, and they was, was celebrating something. George gives the dude some money, and he leaves. It's a chatty bartender. Yeah, he does everything he can to get them tips, Brandon. Okay? That's his job. We cut over to Sophie's place, where George lets himself in and calls out for Sophie. The phone rings, and it's Pack, who is on the answering machine, because we had answering machines back in the 90s, and they were a pivotal plot point device for a lot of shows back in the day. Such a crutch. When you call somebody and you get their answering machine, the first thing you have to say is, hey, it's me, it's Cortland, even though you could easily tell who it is by their voice. But whatever. Just so the audience knows. I love it. So he's like, anyway, I'm still feeling real guilty about that whole George business. Fucking with his insulin and all that. I'm not saying you were right. I know it had to be done. But ah, shit. Call me, okay? Better yet, meet me at the lab. There's some stuff I want to show you. Uh-oh. George heard that whole thing, Brandon. Oh, no. Oh, shit. The, the jig is that up. It was a bad idea to give your entire evil plan over an answering machine. Yeah, very incriminating. <laughs> yeah. I know we just murdered this man, but I don't know. 
Just come hang out. Let me just chat about it. I know this is an answering machine. It could be used against us in the court of law, but I'm just going to do it. I know we had this elaborate, well-thought-out plan to murder this man, and then we went through with it, and we have no remorse, and we're going to do it again. (laughs) But anyway, get back to me. Beep. Over in the lab, a pack is tip-tapping at his computer, and the door behind him opens up. Apparently, he didn't hear that, though, even though it was super loud. And he looks at a piece of paper he just printed. From behind him, George is holding a baseball bat. That looks familiar. Oh, shit. Yeah. And calls out, Dr. Brightman. Pack stands up yelling, George, how you feeling? I got something to tell you. George smiles, saying that he feels pretty good. He found a cure. Then he batters up and swings and hits Pack in the head, knocking him to the ground. George declares, What a sweet stroke that was. On the ground, Pack is all, George, it's not what you think. But George tells him, ah, you don't have to explain. I understand. You and that bitch tried to cut me out of what is mine. And then he whacks George with the baseball bat again. And we hear Pack scream. It's a pretty quick thing. It looks pretty good. Yeah, uh, it would hurt to be hitting that with a baseball bat yeah it's one of my things that i i just don't really feel like i'd want it to happen to me you know call me crazy put that on the list george drops that bat walks over to the fridge and grabs some of those sweet sweet h cells he fills them into a needle saying that's why you fucked with my insulin your words pack i heard you say um then george waltzes back over to pack saying man i made that shit so easy for you didn't i letting you shoot me up gosh i'm so stupid he is, though. Well, two can play the insulin game, and he stabs the needle into Pack and injects him with the H cells. Pack convulses a bunch, and then he fucking dies with a splat. Now, George here, we didn't mention this earlier. I don't know if there's a baseball thing going on, because he plays with a baseball at one point, and I think he's got a baseball glove on. He is chewing some gum hardcore right now, just like a baseball player. And he closes Pack's eyes, saying, so long. We fade back to the police station, Brandon, because we are done with that little tiny story within a story. And he tells the police officers to go ahead and get it over with. At this point, there's like three officers now pointing their guns at George. As he says, by now, I'm riddled with tumors. The main cop lowers his gun as George says that the cops would just be doing him a favor. So, have the cops just been sitting here for 20 minutes while he tells the story? Yeah. He's like, and then I went to the bar, and I hit on Sophie, and she wasn't into it. So then I went to her apartment, and I assaulted her. And I went to the bar again. And, uh, I touched you know, the dude's face. He's just face. telling this, and the cops are just standing there, not taking him to an interrogation room or anything. They're just pointing their guns at him like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then what happened, George? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's exactly how I imagine it. It's stupid. But okay. that's fine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Suddenly, Brandon, Sophie bursts into the room. She looks down at Pack's mangled dead body, asking, what have you done? George is all, what have I done? You're the ones that killed me, for goodness' sake. (laughs) Sophie checks on Pack and then looks up at George, saying, there's nothing wrong with you, George. You're not dying. We didn't inject you with the H cell. We doctored your insulin and added a little something-something to make you feel sick as all. And it's like, Sophie, like, I know what you did is wrong, too. Like, it's fine. You can't just sit there and, like, say you tampered with the insulin in front of all of these police officers. What are you thinking? Eh, everybody in this episode's just admitting to everything they did. All three of the characters yeah. are just very open They got loose lips, George is all, wait, what are you talking about? 
Sophie explains that they were trying to teach him a lesson to give him a better attitude before they told him the good news. And then she adds, for Christ's sake, George. Did you see what Pack was printing? She throws some papers over to George. He looks at them as she gives the good news that they did it and they solved the problem. The H-cell works. Whatever that means. Very ambiguous. Nobody knows what the H-cells do. George very, very slowly looks up from that paper and right into the camera. And that is the end of the tale. So he's screwed, I guess, is the implication. He's going to go to prison? Yeah. Well, he did For murdering a man. And admitted to it. Yes. In a very long fashion. Very, uh, eh, some would call it boring. And I would agree with that. Yeah. Very boring. Over with the Crypt Keeper, he's banging away at something. And we see a skeleton with a noose on. Crypty's all, how about that, George? Talk about connecting with your friends. I don't know what that means. Like with a baseball bat, I guess. Oh, right. Okay. There. Finished. So what do you think, kitties? Beautiful, isn't it? And the camera snaps back to see that the handyman Crypty was building a display for his skeleton-wearing nooses collection. He says that he's always wanted a swing set. Just a little something for when I'm hanging out, watching the news. These, these puns. Yeah. And he chuckles. He pulls a lever and the skeletons all drop a little bit, and then he says, now that's what I call well hung, and he laughs us out of the episode. And I'm like, Crypty, you are getting a little bit too sexual these days. Jesus Christ, Crypt Keeper. But that's it, Brandon. That is the end of This'll Kill Ya. Any final thoughts on this episode, Brandon? Did you did you understand any of it? Because I didn't. Uh, No. Something about tumors and H-cells and that's, that's it. it. That's yeah. all I got. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> they said it about 50 times, and there's nothing more to say. Nah. Did you learn anything from This Will Kill You, though, Brandon? And that's a real thing, right? We got to learn our morals. Be- okay. Become better um, people. Keep your insulin in a safe spot, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly what I learned. Keep it away exactly from your poisons, folks. Right. Uh, if you have a bottle of insulin that you desperately need to survive, don't put it next to a whole bunch of other bottles that are exactly the same, really. They look the same. They are Literally shaped the same. same. They're almost labeled identically. Don't do that. They it's probably stupid. just poured their H cells into like empty bottles of insulin. He was like, I'm done with this one. Pump it full <laughs> of H cells. Yeah, you're probably right. They're like, well, make sure to put a bottles. label on it, though. Or I'll die a horrible <laughs> death. I mean, I guess the, one of the actual morals would be like, don't jump to conclusions. But like, if you hear somebody be like, hey, I murdered this dude. He's going to die soon and it's my fault. Then you kind of just have to jump to a conclusion. I don't know. You know what? I think it's just don't be George. Okay? Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't be George. Done and done. Alternate episode titles, Brandon. This'll kill you. Really boring title, not gonna lie. Should have been just called uh, H-Cell 24. Tumor has it. <laughs> yeah, that would have been actually a really good episode title. I'd been like, okay, I know what I'm getting Crypt into. Cryptkeeper would have loved that. He would have. What was, what was up with him being a handyman at the beginning of the brand? That had nothing to do with the episode. Nobody built anything. Yeah, you're right. He just wanted to make a bunch of puns. Yeah. Does everybody that's, know that's what time it is? Ghoul time. I don't think I want to talk about this episode anymore, except for the fact that we have a couple of peeps to meet. Do you want to see who was in this episode? Because I do. Yeah. Who the hell are these people? Let's find out, Brandon. First up on the list is Sonia Braga, who played Sophie Wagner. Sonia started things off 1968 with something I can't pronounce. Oh, bendita dallas vermelda. Let me try that again. Nailed it. Nailed it. Oh, bendita dallas vermelha. That's my. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. (laughs) 
She was in that classic role. Uh, she was in 325 episodes somehow of A Menina du Valero Azul, which I can only assume is a soap opera because she was ale- like, according to this, she was only in it for a year and it had 325 episodes. So maybe it was the news. I don't fucking know. Okay. She was also in 327 episodes of another soap opera. And then in 136 episodes of another... Oh, my God. If you just keep scrolling up, she's just in hundreds of episodes of different shows. How the hell is this possible? I don't know. She was working the hell out of it back in the 70s. This woman was on every TV in Brazil. She was, yeah. And then she got on to um, Tales from the Crypt. Other things that she's been in, The Rookie Brandon, but the one from 1990. Oh, pass. (laughs) Two deaths, money plays with the S being a dollar symbol from 1998. From Dust Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter. I didn't know there was three from Dust Till Dawns. I've only seen the first one. Same. She was in something called Testosterone back in 2003. Cool. In Ghost Whisperer, she was in one episode of that one. I remember when that show was new. I'm old. Warehouse 13. I, th- I feel like we talk about that a lot. I definitely want to watch that show at some point. The Jesus Rolls. Those sound delicious. And the last thing she was in, 2022's A Shotgun Wedding. All right. She's still out there doing her thing. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, she's working it. Overall, I think she's good. I like Sonya. She added a lot of sass to the character. And if you know anything about me, I love sass. Okay? It's my favorite thing. Next up, Brandon, we got George, played by Dylan McDermott. And I recognize his name. I don't know if it's just the McDermott part, but I don't recognize anything he's been in. No, he's a reasonably famous actor. He started it off 1987's Hamburger Hill, which, just like the Jesus Rolls, sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'd try a Hamburger Hill. It's like a hamburger that was on Bob's Burgers or something. He was on Miracle on 34th Street, the one from 1994, Brandon. Home for the Holidays, oh, that was been a party monster in 2003. I think that's the one with Macaulay Culkin, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. He was on Will and Grace for an episode. The Practice for 147 episodes. That's a long time. It is a long time. Not as much as uh, our girl Sonia, but that's okay. Yeah, that's rookie numbers compared to Sonia. Really she is. Do that many episodes in a day. Jesus. Right, right. <laughs> Just back to back to back filming. <laughs> she had to have given that timeline. Seriously. In like one year, she did like 5,000 episodes. <laughs> he was in 20 episodes of a show called Stalker from 2014 to 2015. Uh, he was in American Horror Story. Yeah. The best season of American Horror Story still. Have you. Did you watch American Horror Story? Uh, Yeah. I watched. I don't know, I watched the first season. I think I watched the third season. Wow. Uh, maybe the fourth one. I don't know. They all like start out good and then. I, that's go what I've heard. Race. Yeah. Yeah. Most recently, he was an FBI Most Wanted uh, from this year. So still working it. Next up, Brandon, we got Pack, played by the late Clavon Little, who passed away in 1992, uh, which I think Just according a few to the timeline. after this episode aired. Yeah. That's crazy. Rest in peace. Clavon started things off 1968 with What's So Bad About Feeling Good? He was an uncredited role in that. He was in two episodes of The Felony Squad. Trying to recognize anything here. I mean, Blazing Saddles, man. I've never actually seen Blazing Saddles, Brandon. It's worth watching it. Isn't that the one that has uh, the guy who played Willy Wonka in it? Yes, Gene Wilder. Do you like um, Mel Brooks movies? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. We've got some research to do, my friend. Okay. Well, you know what? Even better than all that, Brandon, he was an elf. Okay. Oh, he was two nice. episodes of Elf. Yeah. 
Murder by Numbers, MacGyver. He was in MacGyver for two episodes. I mean, he finished things off with Tales from the Crypt because he passed away shortly after. I mean, that's quite a role to go out on. Yeah. I liked him in this episode. He's my favorite character kind of by far, honestly. Uh, I thought he was played really well, and it was a really, really good good character. I like him. Next up, Brandon, because guess what? We got a fourth character. You didn't see this one coming, did you? Oh, shit. Who is it? Crypt Keeper? No, it's the bartender, played by the late Rick Aiello. He passed away in uh, 2021. Rick here started things off 1984 with Silent Madness. That sounds horrible. He was in, not the movie, I'm sorry, just like a Silent Madness. Anyway, he was in Harlem Nights, Murder in Paradise. Dang, that sucks. The Fifth Corner, Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me, where he played Cliff Howard, Brandon. Cool. He was in A Brooklyn State of Mind, 18 Wheels of Justice. He was in the video game Manhunt. I never played that one. He was an ugly Betty. I remember it. And the most recent thing he was in was Ground Zero Texas, Nuclear Edition. All right. Seems like he was in quite a lot of things. I'm finding that a lot of these people are in Twin Peaks. So these episodes must be very exciting for you since you adore Twin Peaks so much. I do adore Twin Peaks. And yeah, it's cool to see them. Because this is a, like these episodes are around the same time that Twin Peaks was out. I say this every episode. I got to watch Twin Peaks. But Do before it. that, Brandon, we had another episode of Tales from the Crypt coming our way next week. Are you ready to hear what it is and just learn about it a little bit? Yeah, let's uh, hope it's better than this one. Hmm. Well, we'll see. It's called On a Dead Man's Chest. Pirates? No. Danny Darwin learns that his new tattoo might be more than just a tattoo. And that's all we get for our description. It's about <laughs> okay. tattoos, Brandon. Killer about chest tattoo. tattoos. I hope it eats somebody, okay? I hope this this tattoo is just teeth, and it opens up and eats somebody. I think that'd be so stupid. I can't wait. I'm setting myself for these expectations that are not going to happen. I'm going to guess that this is going to be uh, a very campy episode. I kind of hope so. I like the campy episodes. Let me take a look and see who we have here. Um, do I recognize anybody? Oh, I got excited because uh, one of the girls' name is Tia, but it's not Tia Maori. So, like, what's the point, you know? Oh, Tia Carrera. Yeah. I just watched her in uh, Wayne's World. Oh, okay. But it's not Tia Maori, Brandon, so. No, she's definitely uh, number two Tia, but that's okay <laughs> sometimes. I just saw that it's directed by William Friedkin, which is pretty exciting. What does he direct? He directed The Exorcist. Oh, I've never seen The Exorcist. All right. We got to end this. <laughs> all right. All right. That's enough out of you. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Well, you know, next week on a dead man's chest, it's the not so pirate labeled pirate episode. We'll we'll see what happens. It's pirates. It's got to be better than this episode we just watched, though. It has to be, right? It's got to. It can't be worse, really. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, until next week, Brandon. I've been up all night, like literally. I'm gonna go back to bed. I will talk with you later for on a dead man's chest. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>